Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Every Thursday, your hosts, Dan and Dawn, share with you their experience and insights on kink, power exchange, and erotic life, as well as bring you interviews with exciting people from various lifestyles. Then every Monday, you'll hear from our various guest hosts. These nationally known educators bring a variety of experience to the mics and share with you an ever-increasing diverse world of alternative life. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hello, fellow adventurers of sexuality and spirit, and welcome to Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington. In this monthly podcast show, I have been sharing personal stories, doing interviews, and this month I would like to talk about human-animal role-playing. Now, for people who don't know about human-animal role-playing, it comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes, from cute, fuzzy kitty girls to rough and tumble human animals of all shapes and sizes. I can think of a certain pit bull that I know, ponies, pigs, cows, and even a few worms. Now, I've done podcasts on a lot of different stuff, and if you want to go back and listen to those, you can go to my website, passionandsoul.com, where I have a little button there labeled audio and podcasts, and you should be able to find those quite easily. But... When it comes to human-animal role-playing, I have a passion. Animal play is fun. It is comparatively simple if you want it to be. And in the past month and a half, I've had a lot of it popping up in my life. Now, I'm not talking about some of the history I have with my partner, though uh, he makes a fantastically cute dog by the name of Zeke. Zeke is my puppy. But... uh, but on other fronts as well. So I had the opportunity to perform at Bear, B-A-R-E, Bear, in uh, New York City. For folks who don't know about Bear, and I'll be sharing those these in the uh, podcast notes, Bear is a spoken word performance evening hosted by a guy named Jefferson that brings in some of the best of New York and beyond's uh, spoken word talent to talk about sex, sex and passion and connection and hotness, and I was absolutely honored to be part of last month's bear. And during it, I told a story about human-animal role-playing and specifically about pony play. Now, that might not seem like that big of a deal. So what, Lee? Okay, you got up in front of a stage in a room full of people and you talked about being a pony. So what? Well. The so what for me was that I did it in front of my mother. My mother is a delightful human being, and I will admit she's been to a couple of my classes and been to one of my stage shows in the Seattle area. But I've never talked in front of my mother before about the specifics of my animal play, or for most of my uh, sexual play for that matter. And so here I am in a suit, uh, well, at least button-down shirt, suit pants, and a tie by this point, and 
am standing in front of a room outing myself as being transgendered, outing myself as having been in the porn industry, and in front of my mother telling the details of what it's like to be a human pony. So what is it like to be a human pony? Well, for me, it starts with transformation. And for myself, this goes for any animal role-playing. It begins with transformation. Now, part of this is the intent we set ahead of time. We set the intent of what we want to do, who we want to become, or in this case, what we want to become. Is it that I want to be a feisty filly? Is it that I want to be a strong and hardworking workhorse? What do I want to be? But I say it starts with the transformation because sometimes I don't know until I'm there. It's kind of like love. Sometimes I don't know it's coming until I'm there. And so, in the case of human pony play, I start to transform with the way that ponies move. Horses stand a little bit taller. They stand straighter. So for me, if we're talking about costumes, and I love costumes. I love corsets when it comes to pony play. Corsets are a fantastic tool because I have to stand up a little straighter. I have to not bend at the waist because at the end of the day, horses don't bend that way. The second thing that I love doing, which I don't do all the time, but I really enjoy, is makeup. Now, makeup is a great tool in general for role-playing, because you could be the evil villain by putting an eye patch on, but you can also do it by putting just a little bit too much eyeshadow underneath your eyes, creating bags, looking tired and scary, or, in the case of animals, I have a chance to just put a little bit of black on the tip of my nose to be a puppy, or put lines across the sides of my nose and up under my eyes and add little details on the small of my eyes to be created into a cat. There's also more elaborate costumes. One of my favorite things for human-animal role-playing is tails. Tails that can swish back and forth and back and forth. The tale for my own human pony play came from somebody that I used to shoot porn with, and she took some of her hair extensions, uh, some of her, her falls, and tied them all together into this mangy, ugly-looking thing that was perfect for being my tale, because it was layer upon layer and not this perfect cut ponytail. Now, don't get me wrong. There are ponytails that are perfectly cut and even and pretty and show pony worthy. I think of the one from Rupert Hughes at Hughes and Son, who his pony play stuff is immaculate, absolutely beautiful, and yet it's not my pony. My inner pony is a workhorse, is sweaty and pulls carts and tends to just get a little bit drooly. A little bit drooly. So here I am, talking about getting a little bit drooly in front of my mother. <laughs> in front of my mother. And it was weird. It was good, but it was really weird as well. Being up in front of all the lights with a packed house and hearing the laughter, 
and knowing that somewhere out there my mother was hearing about me drooling. And that's kind of, well, I don't know, I think I'm still processing it. I think I'm still processing it. So the question, of course, is why would somebody even want to be a human animal? Why would someone want to do these things? And my answer is that the answers are many-fold. For myself, I love to do it because it's a chance to really get into my physical body. It's a chance to strut and move and crawl and be in this skin suit. I often sit at desks all day long, typing and answering emails and trying to get the work done that needs done. And for me, getting to get away from that desk, out of the chair, down onto my hands and knees, or standing up straight out in the sunshine, that level of physical embodiment where not just is an embodiment, but it's the chance to let go of that hyper-constructive brain, that's a gift. That's a gift to me when I get to do that. Sometimes it's about the sensation of having someone brush me down, pour cold water down my back. The sensation of smelling things, because at the end of the day, dogs get to be at crotch high view. I remember going to a play party in, uh, down in Melbourne, Australia, and when I was in Melbourne, we did a class on human-animal play and uh, that I taught. We had a lot of great attendees sharing their own personal stories. And afterwards, there was a play party that was a dog get-together that uh, in the middle of the other play party. And we had, I want to say, seven or eight human, yeah, human dogs. And then this pony showed up. And the pony was a weird mix because you've got seven or eight human dogs. And what do you do with a human pony amidst all of that? And in my case, the answer was guard the pony. I found myself stepping in between the other dogs who were harassing the human pony and got there and was down and growling. Between them, because... Even as a dog, I'm still protective of the underdog, as it were. And when I was there at that play party that night, I ended up meeting a friend of mine specifically because I was sniffing his crotch. Now, you don't, I find, at least in my world, and this my world's kind of on the adventurous side, I don't often get to say I met someone because I was sniffing their crotch. But when I'm a human dog, that's an easy, everyday excuse. I get to say, you know what? I got to meet somebody by sniffing their crotch because dogs do that. And because my nose was at crotch height, so it really wasn't that strange. So those are two of the reasons that people get into human-animal role-playing. But there's other reasons, too. Sometimes it's about having fun, being silly, putting on that character for a night and getting to be the little pig who went to market or the little pig who stayed home, or the little pig that went wee, wee, wee all the way home. And in fact, for people who are into other fetishes, going wee, wee, wee might be exactly what it's about. I know people who have uh, medical play fantasies, where they want to be poked and prodded, and why not get to do that while going to the vet? 
I know other people who love uh, age role play. And I remember at one event that I went to, there was this sweet little girl in a gingham dress who came up to the little pony to the uh, pony play area and said that she always had wanted a pony. And there was this guy who was like, "Oh, I want to be your pony." And he showed this, of course, by kind of straddling up to her and nuzzling his head up against her side. And by little girl in this case, I mean somewhere between late 60s and early 80s uh, year old beautiful cross-dressing male to female cross-dressing trans I'm not entirely sure but beautiful creature nonetheless and it was a great way for her to get her age role-playing in and to meet somebody who was doing animal role-playing and everybody got their needs met for some people it's about building trust if I don't, or in some cases can't, speak English words or human words, and I'm communicating through body language, I'm trusting you to take care of me. I'm trusting you to actually be there for me and to understand me. That's a lot of trust. I'm trusting that you're going to make sure that my body is going to stay okay. I trust that you're going to love me. I trust that you're going to pet me. I trust that you're going to feed me, both physically and of the heart. Sometimes that heart is about connecting to a partner, curling up at your lover's feet. Sometimes it's about love. Sometimes it's about submission and the act of handing our will over to another. Sometimes it's about the costume. Sometimes it's about connecting on a more spiritual plane. I myself have times where I go into a space as a bear. And is it human-animal role-playing? Is it bear play, as it were? Or is it something different? I have some people who look at me when I'm on all fours and growling with a bear pelt draped over my back and smelling and eating and then walking off into the woods to experience the fullness there as a bear in the middle of green, in the middle of brown, in the middle of scent and taste and touch. Is it play? I would argue no, and yet there are people I know who define human-animal role-playing, that define, in this case, bear play, as being a spiritual opportunity to connect with a totem animal. I know other people who do this stuff as an act of service. Because everyone, really, in the heart of hearts, wants a human service animal with their little red or orange vest helping them take care of the things that need to get taken care of. One year at Pony Camp. I love that sentence. One year at Pony Camp, uh, I had actually broken my left kneecap. I had a piece of, uh, I still actually do have a little piece of floating patella, and, uh, it, but it was a very fresh injury. And I was in a wheelchair. And I was supposed to be leading or helping lead pony camp. 
where people were dressing up in pony outfits and being having people pulled around in pony carts and getting to be washed down and bathed and having this immersive experience. And a lot of that still takes place at Camp Crucible. And this year, however, it was at uh, Dark Odyssey Leather Retreat. And at Dark Odyssey Leather Retreat, I was doing this pony event. And what was I supposed to do? I was in a wheelchair, right? And so I decided that my partner of the time was going to be my service pony for the weekend. And what do you have a service pony do? I treated him like Mr. Ed. Mr. Ed the talking horse. So I would have him lash himself to a cart after helping me get into the cart. And I would say, Pony, do you know where we're going? And he'd go, <coughs> and stomp once for no. And I'd go, Okay, well, we're going to go to the dining hall. Are you ready, Pony? <laughs> Two stomps for yes. And with that, he'd get it from a kneeling position up to a standing position, shake the fur off uh, and shake the fur on his back, straighten out his tail a little bit while wiggling his rear end, and trop, 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 off we would go to the dining hall. And it was absolutely magical to have this creature who could take care of my needs, and by holding his reins, I can steer him where we needed to go. Sometimes I wouldn't tell him where we were going so that we could actually immerse ourselves further into the fantasy. I would have him lash himself to the cart, put on a blindfold, and then with rein in each hand, I would pull back to say pause, steeply pull back to say stop, whip the uh, leads once to say go slowly, whip them twice to say go quick. I would pull to the right to say move to the right. I would pull to the left to say move to the left. And with simple commands like that, I was able to steer him all over the 200-acre property. For other people, the reason that they do this stuff is because they need a body challenge. I can definitely empathize with this one. That Pushing myself can be hugely satisfying. Pulling a cart uphill is hard work. Seriously hard work. And I love that kind of hard work myself. But everybody's reasons for doing this stuff is going to be slightly different. So assuming that your partner is into it because they want to work really hard and be pushed might not be appropriate if they want to be a show pony. Maybe they want to do this because it's a sign of submission to you. Maybe they're doing it because they just want to be a brat and so therefore want to be the cute little puppy who gets to gnaw on your shoes and gets swatted with a rolled-up newspaper on the butt. So be it, right? So be it. Everybody's reason for doing this is going to be different. And in my case, it really varies depending on who I'm playing with and my headspace. I mentioned that uh, animal role-playing and animal play was something that would be coming up a lot in my life beyond the show at Bear. So the reason for that is that I've recently had a piece come out in The Ultimate Guide to Kink, which is edited by Tristan Tormino. There's essays in there by... I mean, to be honest, I'm really honored by the lineup that I'm in that book with. Uh, Jack Ranella, Pat Califia, Midori, 
Lolita Wolf, a lot of really amazing folks, and I really recommend people check out this tome. And it's a tome of information. Some of it's how-to, some of it's why-to. It's a really eclectic mix. And I've got links to that in the show notes. So uh, she wrote me and said, hey, would you be willing to write something on animal role-playing? And I thought about it, and I went, yeah. Yeah, I would. And if nothing else, to help break down the differences between bestiality and animal role-playing, which, as a note, animal role-playing involves role-playing with humans, and bestiality involves biologically-based animals beyond humans. So just thought I'd throw that out there. Mind you, I do know people who are into animal play, specifically puppy play, as a really common one, because they do like bestiality fantasies of strapping on a... uh, a prosthetic uh, cock, uh, dog cock, and getting to use that with their lover. And that's kind of hot, and I'll, I'll post a link or two to some various uh, dog cocks that I've seen over the years, and in some case owned, uh, in the show notes as well. So when Tristan asked me to write that essay, I was really delighted. It was a really fun project. Uh, and had an absolute blast doing so. But that's not the only reason I'm thinking about animal role-playing today, which is that the other reason is that yesterday I got my hair cut. Now, it's a pretty dramatic change, and yet it isn't. I had grown my hair out down to halfway down my neck, almost to my shoulders, and it was just kind of long and floppy, and I decided to take it into a mohawk. My original plan had been that I was going to do a wide mohawk that's, you know, about four inches wide and three to four inches wide, and that I was going to cut that down to, you know, two or three inches long so I kind of would be able to spike it up and have fun with it. But I was at the hair salon and got it. We shaved down the sides to a, a three blade, number three blade, and we pulled the hair down to debate how long it should actually be for cutting. And I looked in the mirror and I went, you know what? That looks really good. In fact, it looks like a mane. And it hit me, this full-body response, that it looked like a mane. I haven't really gotten to do pony play as the pony in a long time. And to be honest, I miss it. I miss the sensation of it. I miss the feel of it. I miss the hair on my back, I miss the of when I have the tail swishing back and forth. I miss it. I really do. And I used to do a lot of it. Before my gender transition, I used to do a lot of it because it seems like people like pretty, pretty girl ponies with their boobies bouncing up and down. But for me... Finding someone who loves pony play with a gelding, it's different. I can't seem to find as many people. But I've made a promise to myself now that I have this beautiful mane. And that promise is that by the end of the summer, come the end of September, I will have done some some good pony play. And luckily, I'm going to two Dark Odyssey events between here and there, which means that I expect to have a chance to do that because we have a pony cart. 
That's right, Dark Odyssey has a pony cart. We just need to make sure that the tires are all pumped up. So I will be at both Dark Odyssey Fusion and Dark Odyssey Summer Camp uh, doing classes and leading rituals and, if all goes as planned, pulling some carts around as well. Now let's say, though, you don't happen to have a pony cart sitting somewhere in your bedroom. I know, I know, you wish you did. Stories after stories. But what else can you do as far as props and wardrobe goes? Some of my favorite things include changing up your footwear, right? If your cat or a dog take off the, you know, take off the shoes or put on some sturdy boots, put on some knee pads so you're going to be comfortable on all fours. Um, what about getting some mitts? I've got a pair of um, leather bondage mitts from Northbound Leather that I absolutely adore. But it doesn't have to be bondage mitts. Maybe it's big furry cat paws, right? What about a little tiny pair of ears when I do stuff as a satyr, which is kind of animal role-playing, right? It's being pan, it's being a fawn, um, or something in that range. I have little tiny horns that I love wearing. Tails are an option. Cat suits, something full encasing. Sexy lingerie that shows off almost you know, everything and hides almost nothing. What about hoods or things that constrain the head? I love play toys, and by play toys that can be something sexy, or it might mean your favorite squeaky toy or blanket to put in your mouth and chew on and gnaw on. Sometimes it's about types of bondage. I, for example, when I've been doing pony play in the past, I've done a lot of stuff around arm binders. Keep the hands out of the way and, uh, and yeah, really get into the restriction of it. Other times, I've done stuff with plumes over my head. There's harnesses and tack and building up all these layers of leather on the body. Leashes, gags, brushes. It really varies as to what you can use. Now, I've had people say, though, wait, okay, hold on a second. I really want to get into pony play, but the tack costs thousands of dollars. I'm going to spend this much on my boots. This is, yes, I get it. I totally get it. A pair of punitive shoes cost $300. I get it. Um, but there's cheap options. There's really affordable options. Personally, I like making my bits and bridle out of rope. In my uh, next book, More Shibari You Can Use, when that comes out before the end of the year, there's actually going to be a head cage in it. And I like using the head cage as the basis for a pony head stall. I think it's a really sexy, fun way to do it with a single piece of 25-foot parachute cord instead of having to do it with, you know, doing something with a $500 uh, leather head cage. Now, there are cheaper ones, too, but when I had the one that I used to have, um, it was expensive. It cost me a lot of money, and it's something that I didn't invest in until I knew I really liked what I was doing. So that's something to consider as well, is before you go out, and spend money on, you know, that really expensive toy that you're thinking about, try it out with something cheaper. Try it out with something that costs you two bucks down at the, you know, or costs you a dollar at the dollar store, as it were. What about instead of buying, you know, the complete set of human, animal, purposefully built, uh, you know, tall, uh, like water and food bowl set so that you know, somebody doesn't have to bend down all the way, which, by the way, just buy the stuff for Great Danes. It works perfectly. Uh, at least for my body height, it does. But no, um, you know, either Great Danes or for uh, 
Rottweilers or Doberman Pinschers or anyway. I like different sizes of big animals because they reflect my physical body size. But before you buy the giant cage, what about just try being kept in a corner? Before I buy the really fancy, you know, water bowl and dog and and dog bowl set, why don't I just put some bowls, normal bowls, everyday bowls, on the ground with some chili in them and eat some cold chili or hell, eat some warm chili, eat some warm chili on the ground. Looks like dog food. Bam, you're done. Um, and as a note, the props and costumes. Don't just apply to the animal. I love excuses for getting to wear riding gear. Just saying. Right? The levels of, you know, play involved don't have to just be for the animal. What about having it be for the owner or the handler, too? You can have it be about pride. You could be about sensuality, sexuality. It could be an opportunity to train someone, which can be incredibly sexy for people who are into dominance and submission. Maybe it's about pushing your partner really hard or uh, showing off our loved one and being like, look at this amazing thing I have. Sometimes the spiritual connection that we get from when we pet a biological animal in the same way that we would pet a human animal. Sometimes it's about having a therapy puppy, you know? Sometimes it's about letting go and having fun ourselves. So yeah... My hope is, for those listening out there, is that you'll consider it. Consider if you were to be an animal, what animal would you be? Would you be a cat? A dog? A cow? A goat? Are you a wolf? A wildebeest? Are you a raven? A parakeet, perhaps? What are you? If you could be an animal for one night, what would you be? And with that in mind, what would you do if you could explore with that now? And then know that you can. I know people who say, well, you can't be a human parakeet. Actually, I used to have a human parrot. He would, quote, sit on my shoulder by digging his hands into my shoulder like they were claws and they felt like claws because he had long fingernails and I would put a bowl of uh, like one of those little sample bowls you get when you're traveling on trains or whatever of cornflakes in my cowboy hat and he would reach over and go and he would eat cornflakes out of my cowboy hat and there would be this rain of cornflakes around me and I actually, uh, we had little wings for him that he could wear. And we did this one game where we, uh, where I tied a rope, um, not too tightly, around his cock and balls, like a cock ring, and took the long line of the rope and had him, quote, fly around a room looking for ballpoint pens that people were holding. Now, I say look for it because he didn't have his glasses on, and so he literally had to go from person to person, pausing climbing all over them looking for these pens and then flying on to the next one until he brought back all four of the pens to me which was an absolute hoot and he still got to put you know be in his fantasy of getting to be a parrot so think about creatively what your desires are and what you might have fun being and as a note you don't have to be a top or a bottom to be an animal I know people who are tops, who are dominant personalities, who are sexually aggressive, who are the animal themselves, right? Who are that pit bull who gets in front of their, quote, little girl. 
right, that are incredibly powerful animals. We don't have to have it all be the, oh, poor, sweet little puppy can't take care of himself. No, really. In the world at large, I know a lot of dogs who are far more dominant than their owners. And I know a whole lot of horses who are far, lot, far more dominant than their handlers. And that's okay, right? Play with it. Have fun. And hey, while you're at it, maybe come have fun with me. I've been going to be at a whole lot of different events this summer. So you ready? Get out your pen and paper because I'm going to be a lot of different places and I would love to have you come and visit me. This coming weekend, I am going to be at ShibariCon in Chicago, Illinois, which is a somewhere between 700 and 800 person rope, international rope bondage conference. Absolutely amazing event. Weekend after that, I'll be in attendance at the Philadelphia Trans Health Conference for people who are in the uh, gender nonconforming, gender queer, transgender, transsexual, and uh, different gendered history spectrum, as well as their partners, allies, and associates. So that's going to be really fantastic in Philadelphia. Weekend after that, I am going away with my partner. Ah, here we are. Uh, the week of June 20th through June 25th, I will be at Dark Odyssey Fusion, where I will be teaching classes, leading rituals, hopefully doing some pony play, uh, being part of some really amazing stuff. I'm going to be doing a ritual called IV Wed, which is going to be a self-love ritual where you get to stare into mirrors and fall in love with you, which when I did this ritual originally was hard. It was really, really hard, but really important, really important. And I'm going to be doing a class there on sacred kink, so feel free to come on down and join me. On July 6th, I'm going to be at the Long Island uh, Life Rope Group, so I'll be out in Long Island, uh, Long Island, New York. Uh, the weekend of August 3rd through 5th, I am going to be in Las Cruces, New Mexico, which is not far from El Paso. Um, I'll be in Las Cruces, New Mexico, causing trouble down there and having an absolutely great time doing a whole weekend of classes and performances. And at the uh, and then in September, I'll be at Dark Odyssey Summer Camp as well as um, Rope Camp, which will be a lot of fun. Now, you said that you might be saying, well, Lee, you've got a lot of open time there. Actually, I don't. And the reason I say I don't is because I'm spending three of those weekends shooting photos for more shibari you can use. So, yep, for the rope bondage people out there, I am doing the sequel. I am super excited about it. And I've got three weekends of photo shooting set. There might be a fourth weekend. Rigor J and I have our work cut out for us, but that, my friends, is a topic for a different podcast. So I want to thank all of you for listening for coming out and joining me for uh, this delightful little romp into Adventureland. If you have any questions about sexuality, spirituality, kink, gender, connection, identity, authenticity, or hell, anything else I can help you with, please drop me an email at lee, L-E-E, 
at passionandsoul.com with the subject line Ask Lee, and I'll either answer those questions on here or on my column at passionandsoul.com. And of course, you can find me all over the internet by doing a search for Lee Harrington, and uh, either do that or look for Passion and Soul, P-A-S-S-I-O-N-A-N-D-S-O-U-L as one word, on FetLife.com, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, DeviantArt, or pretty much anywhere else you can look. So thank you again, fellow adventurers of sexuality and spirit, for joining me. This has been Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington. And until next time, stay cool, have fun, be authentically you, and have a fantastic journey. 